You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 195 and 196. We're getting so close to 200 Hmm. of reading and talking through the Bible. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Dude, we are in the Old Testament. Oh, man. Tell us where we're at. I'm so excited. So our Old Testament reading for today is the book of Jonah, chapters 1 through 4, and Amos, chapters 1 through 2. You know what's funny? What? Of these two prophets, everyone knows Jonah. Yeah. Because the great fish. But we ought to know Amos. Yes, we really should. I know. (laughs) And I have to admit, with uh, I have a couple Bible degrees from like Bible colleges and I've worked in all these Christian schools, and I have a master's degree in divinity, and I'm ordained, and all these, but I'm finally understanding the place of Amos. Yes. Every other time I read Amos, I'm like, where's the good verse that helps me get through today? Right. You know? Yes. That's, that's my inner voice. And, um, and I finally get it. This is basically, we're going to discuss and introduce one guy, but the tale of two prophets. Yes, this is what's, okay, so I really... The fish tale of I'm, two prophets. I really enjoy how they've set up these readings. Yeah, genius. So we've ta- we're taking a break instead of just going right into Chronicles. Thank God. We're jumping around into the minor prophets that existed during the time of the kings. Right. And so this is, Jonah and Amos were contemporaries. They lived at the same time. They were also contemporaries with Hosea and Isaiah. So can I just give some of the numbers? Yeah. So really... Uh, at least Amos is 792 to 740. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now Jonah, what's Jonah? Uh, 790. So 790. Okay. So Amos mm-hmm. and uh, Jonah are around 790. Now just to give, we're going backwards because this is BC, right? Yes. The Assyrian siege mm-hmm. where everything finally gets destroyed is 724. Right. So they're a solid 50 years before Israel is totally wiped out. Yes. And then the Babylonian captivity, which mm-hmm. is down in Judah, is 600. Yes. So, again, they're like a couple hundred years from things. So they're talking about things that are 50 years away mm-hmm. that are most assuredly going to happen. Again, showing us that God is totally gracious, sending prophets. Yes. Um, but that's the time period. So now we can get into... John- and, Let's well, and then also, I just want to note that they're both during the reign of the Israel king, uh, Jeroboam II. Nice. Who yes. had like a nice long, I think he was, had 52 years. Yeah. And he was a very evil king. And the one other reference we get of Jonah outside of this book was when he told Jeroboam too that the Lord said that he's going to uh, regain a lot of territory taken by Syria. Right. So that's the other only other thing where he's giving good news to a bad king. Okay, so. There we go. We got Boom. Jonah and Amos. Let's talk about Jonah. Yes. And I'll just say at the very beginning and then we'll highlight it. Jonah is the bad prophet, mm-hmm. and Amos is a good prophet. Yes. And then you can figure out the difference. And I, I feel like Jonah was a likable person, yeah. and Amos no. was a very unlikable person. Well, I think person. it depends on the message. Of course you're <laughs> unlikable when you're saying, hey, God's upset with you, repent or die. I think also historically Amos was well, kind of a jerk. A difficult character. He yes. was a rough and tumble uh, but shepherd. But that, that comes from his background. All right, let's go Jonah. to Jonah. Jonah, some people think Jonah is the son of the widow that Elijah helped. But then I've read where 
they say that's yeah. rubbish. Yeah, it is. But rubbish. it was fun to think I, about. I think it's rubbish. Right, I know. So does Luther. But it was fun to think about. Anyway, Jonah has a kind of a prophet. He's part of the prophets. Yeah. He's, he's legitimate he's prophet. He's a son of a prophet. And as a prophet, you son of a prophet, you yes. should, when God speaks and tells you to do something, you should happily do it. You go and do it. But as you know, Jonah wakes up with this vision from the Lord and from a, an assignment, and he thinks, I, I don't want to go to the capital of Assyria, Nineveh. I do not want to travel 500 miles. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, if God, you are giving me this assignment to go and tell them they're all going to die... I know what that means. Yes. That means you're planning on giving them a chance to be saved. And they're right now our biggest threat. They have been our biggest threat. Well, they're up and coming right now. Oh, the Assyrians are up and coming. Syria has been their biggest threat. But right now, Syria is on the decline, and Assyria is rapidly gaining ground. But we know. so I think Jonah, of all people, is going... I see the, the warning signs here, and Assyria is going to be bad. So I don't. I would like them to be destroyed. Right. I would very much not like to go to them because they're going to be our future enemies. They're really far away, and they're Gentiles. They deserve to die. Yes. That's this is a bad prophet, mm-hmm. and so he does. And here's how you know a bad prophet. It says like two times he's fleeing the presence of the Lord. <laughs> so the presence of the Lord is a gift. Mm-hmm. that we embrace now because of Jesus, we all can boldly be in the presence of the Lord. And right. he's trying to run away from it. I did think every time we sin, in in a small way, we are trying to escape the presence of the Lord. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, that's, and so the ramifications of sin, it's not like do this and now bad things happen. No, but leave the presence of the Lord and now you're vulnerable to a lot of crazy things. Yes. Okay, so he's told to go to Nineveh, right. which is in the east, and he's like, I'm going to go to Tarshish in the west. I'm going opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then he gets on a boat with some godless sailors. I know. And they end up being, again, everything, I think everything in this book is highlighting where Israel's heart is. This book is like a satire of the time. Right. It's actually kind of humorous. It's humorous, but it's also, um, and we do think it's a real story yes. because Jesus quotes he doesn't say, oh, in this made-up story or allegory mm-hmm. or metaphor. He says, like Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be buried in the depths of Sheol you know, mm-hmm. for three days. So we believe this is history, mm-hmm. but it is, I think, a perfect reflection of the heart of Israel. So the person who speaks the word of the Lord to Israel is responding to the word of the Lord the way they are, yeah. which is run away. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do it. And even the sailors, so you're yeah. saying it's funny because even the sailors are like, what is going on? Everyone pray to their God. Yeah, so Jonah is fast asleep, completely ignoring the situation while the sailors are very awake to the situation. Yeah, going, a huge storm. There, there's something spiritual and supernatural happening here and we need to solve this problem. We need to figure it out. And they go and grab Jonah and be like, why are you sleeping? You need to be praying to your gods because maybe they'll listen to us. Right. And so then Jonah's like, Guys, guys, I'm with the true God. I, well, he's, that, the, he's that, the God of land and sea. I know. That's what's so cool is it's solidifying in my mind is how much everybody has local gods. Yes. So the God of this area and this mm-hmm. region. And then that's what we're saying. We're going, we have the God over all creation. Like we're going over all these gods. And they're like, okay, okay. But I think, no, I think they're like, then why are you trying to run from him? Right. It's very confusing. They're, they're more like aware of his situation and going, 
Wait, you're claiming that you your God created the land and the sea, and oh. you just told us that you're trying to get away from his presence? You know what? This is even prefiguring huh. what's going to happen in Nineveh. I never thought of this. But even on the small way, what's happening is the disobedient prophet cannot stop the power and the life of the word of God. So even in his confession Mm -hmm. of the one true living God, his behavior is undermining it. They don't even care about his unfaithfulness. His testimony doesn't hurt his confession because his confession is bigger than him. And those guys end up, he, he says, kill me. Throw me overboard. Well, They're like, no, they don't want to. They're they like, don't want to. God, we don't want this blood to be on our hands. Yeah. And so I was thinking about this, and it's like almost ironic, too, because at first it's kind of like self-sacrificing. Like, you know what? Just throw me overboard. No, he's anti He's the opposite of Jesus. But I think he's going, he's going, I would rather drown in the ocean than go back to Nineveh. Yeah. And so I think he's committing suicide. No, he is. And he's found a perfect way out because he can, it's justified. Oh, some yeah. godless sailors. <laughs> Threw me over Some the Gentiles boat. threw him over the boat. <laughs> and it's like, perfect. This is my way out. Yeah. This is my way of killing myself. And so they throw, they chuck him over the boat well, after once, they things, yeah. once things get really bad. And they pray to God. And they're like, please don't let his blood be on our hands. And they throw him overboard. And then the waves calm. And they end up worshiping God. Right. And it's, it's an unresolved story. Because you'd think the story would go from there. Like, wow. Now they start a little church. And blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter. Because but, the point is... You cannot drown the word of God. The yeah. word of God will not die with you, Jonah, even though you hate the word of God. And it's the same thing to Israel. Uh-huh. Like the word of God's not going to die here. Yes. And you can't run from it. You might. You might die. And so Jonah thinks he's dead. Yeah. And a great fish comes and foils his plans. Right. So like <laughs> something that should be his judgment and destruction yeah. ends up saving him. But he thinks it's his judgment. He's mm-hmm. So he's in the belly of some... And, uh, you know, the way the Jewish, historically, they would name things according to where they were. Just like we're talking about the gods, like oh, the god yeah, of yeah. sea, the god of this, the hills, the god of... And so they call great fish. You know, since then, they didn't have the classifications we have of mammals and, and yeah, so they air-breathing fish, you know. But it's the something like a whale, big enough mm-hmm. with uh, oxygen. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. But so is resurrection from the dead. Yes. Resurrection from the dead is a miracle. And so basically... He dies. He's at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And he starts to cry out because deep in him, he still knows the Lord, right? Yes. And yes. so then he cries out. And this is where he has like great and beautiful prayers about this is my tomb. I'm going to die here. God, help me. God, I wish I could be worshiping you. And I'm so sorry. And blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then the fish saves it. I mean, the fish throws him up. Back onto land, right where he started, and he doesn't throw him up. Yeah, at the shore of Nineveh. I've always thought that too. You were telling me that. Yeah. No, Nineveh is completely landlocked. There's no way he's no. C- was getting to Nineveh. He's back to where he he's started. Back probably at Joppa, the shore. But with one difference for him now. Yes, he's been raised from the dead. Yes, and he realizes God raises sinners from the dead. We all deserve death. We all flee from God's presence when we sin. But God rescues us because the Word in us. He loves us more than we love ourselves a lot of times. So now let's try it again. Yeah, so chapter three begins the same way it, chapter you, one did. You could actually start the story in chapter three and not know any of that garbage because we're just at the beginning again. <laughs> I mean, literally it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah <laughs> the second time. Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I have told you. So again, all God's saying is, go tell them they're all going to die if they don't repent yeah. to the one true living God. Yes. And now we think of that message. Like if I told you to go preach that somewhere, you'd be like, I'm not hell 
fire and brimstone kind of guy. That's uh-huh. just fear. We don't approach people with fear. But something we learn from the Bible is telling people they're in trouble is love. Yeah. Yeah. There's a giant pothole up there that will kill you. Don't yeah. drive. That's loving. Yeah. And so there is something to this message. And Jonah gets it because, um, well, he's he probably is a little excited about it, but he... No, yeah, he gets it, but he's excited about it, but he knows what a lot of us don't know. Yeah. Telling someone to repent is the surefire opportunity for them to be saved. Yeah. You know, like they might not... If I want you to die, I won't tell you about the hole in the Mm -hmm. road that's going to swallow your car. Right. But if I love you, I'm like, hey, don't drive down that road. Mm -hmm. But if I kind of love you, but I just, I'm doing that because there's pressure and I really kind of want you to go. This is the situation Jonah's in. He's like, I do not like these people. I will tell them the bare minimum. And so he, it's a, what I read was the walls around the city were eight miles, right? It's like an eight mile around. Yeah. It's like, it takes three days to explore the entire city. Right. So he goes into the city and I mean, it sounds like he simply says i mean he is still i mean he's back from the dead but he still does not like this assignment he's given the bare minimum and he goes yet 40 days and none of that shall be overthrown yes like that's his message he doesn't mention god no he doesn't say repent he doesn't tell them what to do or why they're going to be overthrown and actually the uh the word is overturned or over overthrown or or the idea is overturned uh flipped upside down maybe no. renewed right and so he uh it's interesting he gives the bare minimum and this guy who should be gung-ho about the word of the lord right uh is not doing what really he's doing the bare minimum and then these people who should be very against the word of the lord instantly turn no from top to the bottom they do what israel they are overturned no yeah they they repent. The king repents. Sackcloth and ashes. Mm-hmm. Like even animals. Like every part of every yes. living thing in our, in our in our city is going to ask for mercy because he says, "Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish." Like even the king of Nineveh, Assyria, is pliable under the message of the Lord. Whereas in Israel and Judah, they're not. They're wicked. They have mm-hmm. the word of God and they don't want it. And so this again is. In a weird way, Assyria and Nineveh, this godless, horrible city, is a better example mm-hmm. of what it looks like under the people who have open hearts to God than even the people that the missionaries are being sent from. Yeah. And I think, and again, this is the, the place, the heart of the nation that's going to one day overthrow them in 50 years. Well, I think God uses Assyria because he's like, you know what? I'm going to use you to punish my kids because you are at least get open. It. And I know future generations won't, but I'll use you to accomplish mm-hmm. I the good. I think so. I think uh, that's why he did it. I, yeah, I think he's thinking big picture. It is. That's the big picture. The small picture is this is about a bad prophet from Israel because Jonah is displeased and his answer is so telling. Mm-hmm. In chapter 4, he says, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. See, he's upset that they're repenting. For I knew that you are gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life, for it is better for me to die. Okay, so catch how wicked Jonah is right now. 
Jonah's so wicked. I've mm-hmm. never read this and been like, Jonah's wicked. I'm always like, I kind of get confused on that, but Jonah, it's about yes. Nineveh. No, Jonah's wicked because yeah. he says, his confession is, I knew you were gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in love. Like, I knew these things. That's why I didn't want to come to these people. Yes. Because I hate them. I want them to die. I want them to die. So kill me instead because I know they'll take my people. And then it feels like Jonah... Uh, gets messed with by God. Because he does. He 100% does. Because God says, why are you angry? God says, uh, do, you, do you do well to be angry? Right. And, and so Joe's just like, hmm, hmm, Okay, hmm, so hmm. you know at the east, east is where the judgment comes from, right? Yes. The east winds blow yeah. from the desert. So he goes and he sits on the east side of the city, makes a booth for himself, and he's waiting because what was the, the verse... Um, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yeah. He's like going to wait 40 days if he has to. Yeah. To in the desert, the opposite of Jesus going to fast in mm-hmm. the desert for the salvation of people. He goes to the desert to wait and look, be the first town crier for here comes the destruction <laughs> and the heat blast of the Lord from the desert to overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see it. And then God says, uh, God goes, okay. He appoints, just like he appointed the, the fish, fish. Yeah. a plant to make it more uh, shade. Yeah. Thanks. So and, he, he's like, and so Jonah's great going, comfort. Like overnight, this plant just goes. Which is what God has been doing to Israel, like yeah. giving them even when they've been obstinate and yeah. difficult. And then uh, the next day, he appoints a uh, a scorching east wind. No, a worm. A worm. A, a right. worm to kill the plant. He, he while appoints he sleeps. a worm. It goes, and then he appoints a scorching uh, heat from yes. the desert. And Jonah again is like, uh, it's better for me to die. Yeah, it's like so, the third time he's tried to commit suicide. He's the most depressed prophet out there, man. He's wicked and depressed. So I love how he goes to the east to watch, to wait for the east wind to come. Instead of the west for God's mercy. And, and the east wind comes on him instead. Exactly. And that's, this is the point, the macro point. It's Israel and Judah are called to be a kingdom of priests. Yeah. And instead, they've turned into clowns, mm-hmm. depressed clowns. <laughs> But the miracle is God still uses them. I know. So there's a whole generation of Assyrians yeah. who actually turn and repent to the Lord. And whether they experience it forever or not, they get the presence of the Lord for a second. And So I love how it ends with God saying, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Right. You're upset that this plant died. You're all about your own comfort. Uh-huh. Well, I'm upset that there's 120,000 people in this town that could die. Yeah. And all their animals. I actually care about them, too. Uh, is it wrong for me to be upset and worry and con- be concerned for their lives? And then it just kind of ends. It does. It ends with a rebuke. With a rhetorical question that we now have to answer. It's so true. And so, Jonah, Jonah Israel, you're hard-hearted people. You're only concerned with your own comfort. Shouldn't I be concerned with the countless people I've created? And the people that I've invited you to save with me. Mm-hmm. So Jonah, um, you know, so the idea for me is uh, growing up, I used to wonder about, oh, is the story of Jonah real because a guy can't really live in the belly of a whale? And now in its proper context, I realize this whole story is about an evil prophet that even an evil prophet who's been charged with the word of the Lord cannot stop the word of the Lord. Right. The word of God will not die. He will rise from the dead. Jesus Christ is the word of God. He has died. He rose from the dead. And so Jonah rose from the dead, not because Jonah was great. He did repent, so he got some blessing. But he rose from the dead from this whale because the word of God is not going to be stopped. Mm -hmm. 
And God's going to show mercy where he's going to show mercy. And if he wants to save the Assyrians, don't get in his way. Go with him. Yeah. So we have a prophet, a reluctant prophet from Israel, sent to go give a message of repentance to Nineveh, to a land that's not his own. And now we're switching over to Amos, chapters 1 through 2, and we have a shepherd who is not part of a prophetic line or lineage, a shepherd from Judah, like five miles from Bethlehem, from where David tended sheep. He's being called by God to go pronounce judgment to Israel. I know. So it's the flip right now. Israel is the recipient of the prophet, and they had been. Mm-hmm. And they continue to be. And it's like, Israel, are you going to listen to the word of God like the Assyrians? Mm-hmm. And so, the- and yeah, so in this one, we see the Assyrians flip and are like, and they are overturned. Within 40 days, their city is overturned with repentance. Right. And, and Jonah missed it. Yeah. Because he was still waiting 40 days. I just realized that. Him yeah. sitting out there, yeah. he missed that they were already, already overturned. overturned. Yes. You had that. Yes. I, I didn't fully comprehend that. I know. I'm he sorry. should never have sat outside that city. He no. didn't, he, but he couldn't recognize it. He was no. so lost. So now we have Amos, who's going. And uh, the first two chapters are very interesting well, and very poetic. Did you get that he uh, references the earthquake? Yes. So this earthquake, historians and archaeologists, they know. And mm-hmm. so we, it's really cool when you start putting together the authenticity of the scriptures mm-hmm. and how it's supported by actual, um, like these letters and these written mm-hmm. documents are supported by archaeological facts. Yes. It's pretty cool. Also, I used to, um, my brother-in-law was telling me when they were in Portugal, mm-hmm. um, all these people kept saying, oh, this was before the fire. This was after the fire. We yeah. did this before the fire. And so my brother-in-law was thinking, oh, was there a fire like five years ago or something? Mm-hmm. And the fire was 200 years ago. And so people, because the city's so yeah. old in Portugal, or wherever they were in Portugal, they would reference this epic fire, mm-hmm. even though they were so far removed from it mm-hmm. by 200 years. And so I think this earthquake is going to be mentioned in other prophetic yeah, stuff. And it's just a big event by which we mark things. I thought mm-hmm. it was kind of cool. And possibly it was a result of some of God's fierce judgment. judgment. So Amos is a shepherd. Yeah. He's going to Israel. He actually, um, it's not stated right here, but later on it's stated where he's announcing his prophecies against Israel is at the Temple of Bethel, which the golden calf was made and set up by Jeroboam I. But he's going up there during the reign of Jeroboam II. And uh, he starts off, by announcing judgment and on all of Israel's neighbors. Right. And what's really interesting <laughs> is if you look at it, he's like making a circle around it mm-hmm. with Israel right at the center. Yeah. But he's like, he goes through, uh, he goes through and it's cool. It's seven nations. Well, and it's seven nations and then he goes three transgressions and for four. Yes. I will not revoke the punishment. Mm-hmm. And so there's a seven... Theme of seven A seven is a theme of creation. Mm-hmm. And he says three and four, and what we'll figure out is there's really one major sin. Mm-hmm. They've all just rejected God and God's anybody yeah. human in humanity. And um, the, I think the three... For me, I think that the, using the language of um, for three trans- transgressions and, of, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment 
is like, you've completely sinned. Yes, you are complete. There's a seven-day cycle of sin, yeah. and you will be punished. And so mm-hmm. he goes through, it's yet Damascus, the Philistines, Edom, Gaza, Syrians, Phoenicians, the Edomites, the Ammonites, and each have their kind of own. I don't know if we need to go through it, but like, for instance, the Edomites are from Esau, and they hurt their brothers, Israel, mm-hmm. and they have to pay for that. Or the Ammonites, one of them is uh, like Moab. They do horrible, rip. you know, there's a horrible line about um, killing our women mm-hmm. who are pregnant, things like that, and it's justice time. Yes. And they're going to be devoured with fire according to these different things they've done. The scariest part is when he gets to Judah and Israel, but Judah is not as bad in this one. Yeah, because again, his well. main call is to Israel, but he's also admitting... My own place is not has rejected. Yeah, as well. and there's and there's a different expectation for the people of God, mm-hmm. and that is uh, we've rejected the law of God, and so uh, I will send a fire upon Judah and devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. So mm-hmm. he's predicting the siege of Jerusalem, which yeah. would come two three hundred years later yes. through Babylon. Then he gets to Israel, says, uh, and he has a long list. Yeah, he has seven sins. I mean, and everything seven from... seven punishments. Yeah. And that's, you know, the days of creation and a day of rest. Everything is uh, in there, and it's everything from not caring for the needy to prostitution to um, uh, profaning his name, all these things. That we... Yeah, injustice, bribes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's totally, like, messed up. It's like selling their own people into yeah. uh, slavery, all of this stuff. And he's just like, I will destroy you from his fruit above to the roots beneath, which is like the idea from top to bottom. I'm going to completely wipe you out. You guys have completely missed everything. You were supposed to be a blessing to all these nations. And now you are a curse to them and yourselves. And so at the end of it, you know, he's saying, you are now counted among the nations that you always wanted to be like. Yes. You are like them in wrath. Mm Mm-hmm. You had every advantage. You broke every part of the covenant with God. And now you will feel the full terror of being on your own against God. And that's where Amos ends. So right off the bat, Amos like begins his letter here or whatever it is, proclamation. It's not, hey, how you guys doing? You having a good week? <laughs> it's yeah, no, he was a, boom. Yeah. You guys are in trouble. He was salty. But <laughs> now that we've read the Kings... It's so good to put these guys into perspective. Mm-hmm. Amos is offering the grace of God. He is. So it might, if, re, re, if you read this out of context, it feels like, oh, fire and brimstone. But it is a gracious thing that God has raised up because you have wicked kings, you have wicked priests, and you have wicked prophets. Mm-hmm. Jonah's not a great prophet. Yeah, and if Jonah's five words can turn Assyria, right. then... His Amos's words from God should be enough. Well, Amos is loving, and so he goes to town for Israel. Yeah, he's but very remember, zealous for the word of the Lord. And remember, Amos hates Israel probably the same way Jonah hates Assyria. <laughs> yes, like uh, that's probably true because these guys have been enemies. Yes, and so here's Amos in his gruffiness. Yes, going and his doing it. Shepherd, cool. I'm just glad the word of God is effective and powerful. So. <laughs> listen to it yeah all right that was long today but we covered all of a book oh and we're done with jonah oh yeah hey hey jonah 
All right, what do we got going on in the New Testament? All right, our New Testament reading today is Romans chapter 2 through chapter 3, verse 8. Well, the nice thing about the letters from Paul is there's not a narrative, really. So we can kind of just get to some major themes and, uh, yeah. and get out. Not that we're in a rush, but... We want to respect your time in the car or jogging or wherever you might be enjoying this podcast. Yeah, so he's, he's just building off of what we said last episode uh, where he's making this point of the need of the gospel. So again, he's, a, he's talking to Gentile Christians and trying to get them to reconcile to the Jewish Christians that are just coming back to Rome after being kicked out for five years. And he's trying to say... Look, you guys were sinless, like full of sin, given over to your base desires. You had no idea <clears throat> what you like, what good was. Right. But from nature, you should have had at least the ten words on your heart. You knew yeah. at the a bare minimum, committing murder is wrong, committing adultery is wrong. You knew these right. things. And there's no excuse. Yeah. You know, he uses homosexuality, but then he also goes, "Look, it's gossips. It's." Mm-hmm foolishness, faithfulness, faithlessness, ruthlessness, all these things. And then, yeah, in chapter 2, he's really building the case and even just straight up says, Jew and Gentile, God shows no partiality when mm-hmm. it comes to breaking his law. Right. And, um, and for all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So he's making, yeah, this very big distinction, and that's what I feel like the rest of this is um, breaking down through chapter three, mm-hmm. which is what good. The way I would say it is um, he uses circumcision and he goes, look, you guys, you Jews have been marked by circumcision, but you know, it's null and void if you disobey. Yeah. So I, he's making this case like for the Gentiles saying, hey, guys, you need Christ. Right. You've sinned. You need You've Christ. Sinned. And then he switches back to the Jews, the Jewish audience, and says, hey, you need Christ too. Because just because you had the law, don't think you're any well, better than the Gentiles. You're right. And he straight up says, you think you have all the answers, but do you even teach yourself? You say, don't right. steal, but do you steal? You say, you yeah. know, he, he does all that. You boast in the law, but then you break it. Mm-hmm. And that's where he's, don't rest just in your circumcision mm-hmm. because you break the law. You need something else. You need, and the real difference between Jew and Gentile, he says, is you need uh, the inner yeah, you need faith. Circumcision, not outside and physical, but um, there it is in verse 29. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. Mm-hmm. So the end of chapter 2 is to both camps. Mm-hmm. Don't count yourself out, and don't count yourself too far in. This is about an inner thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this all new. We have access to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. who's circumcising our hearts, setting us apart. And yeah. then, um, and then in chapter three, I know we can only go to, to eight verses, but mm-hmm. um, he talks about what justifies you, and um, and you're justified by the righteousness of Christ. Mm. And then he brings up, and this is he can't, we have to kind of stop today. But the question is, and so the attack. So let's say the original audience heard this thing about Jews and Gentiles coming together. Mm-hmm. The natural then response is from both, maybe but especially the Jewish folks, is, oh, so if our unrighteousness shows the grace of God, like God has forgiven them for them being, and I think they're saying, if those Gentiles have been unrighteous forever, Mm -hmm. but God just forgives them, 
well, why don't we all just sin and do whatever we want and get more forgiveness? Like God's grace is bigger when we sin more. <clears throat> right, because he was kind of, he was pointing out to them like, look, you've been breaking the law this whole time. Right. And like we can see a history of rebellion within our own people as we're looking in the Old Testament with Jonah and Amos. Right. There's a history of rebellion. And yet God's been with you this whole time and has been gracious to you and has never abandoned you nor forsaken you. And so the question that comes out of that is, cool, well, if God's just going to be with us no matter what, is there even a need for the law anymore? Could we just get rid of the whole law? And, and that's connected to... Is that what you're arguing, Paul? And he says, by no means, for then how could God judge the world? Because, mm-hmm. see, they're saying, isn't it... So we shouldn't get any judgment from God then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the law is wiped out. Law equals judgment. Paul says, by no means. No, 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 you guys aren't understanding what I'm saying. He says, if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may become? As some people are saying and charging us with saying. That's where we end today. I know. <laughs> but the, ends on a cliffhanger. Well, like, the ends on the cliffhanger of, do we need the law still? And can we just do go about and do whatever we want now? If God's just going to forgive us. Right. And then, I mean, we'll say it again in the next episode because it can't hurt mm-hmm. the word of God to say it. But Paul's answer is going to be, you're under the law of faith. Mm-hmm. Under the law of faith, you're resuscitated from death. Right. He finds you dead in your sins. That's what Paul's trying to say. Yes. He finds you in the belly of a whale. That's it. By his grace, he brings you out of that well, whale. Now you are equipped from within, with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the good law of God. Mm-hmm. This law is the law of life. Mm-hmm. You want to walk in it. That's a work of the Spirit. Right. And so he's flipping the way we think about it. So to even say, let me sin so that God's grace can abound, is to misunderstand that you were dead and now you're alive. Yeah. You think it's some game, mm-hmm. which a lot of us think and have thought for a long time, or f- we fight with thinking that it's some kind of game that we manipulate God and it's like, I've been good, so I get this. And yeah. uh, uh, oh, maybe I need to do good luck stuff. It's a type of divination. But Paul is saying, No, no, no. You're dead. The the gift is faith. Now you have a now you can actually come under and enjoy the law of God. Free and, from its just from its condemnation because you're under the law of faith. Yeah, it no longer condemns us. It shows us where life is. Yeah. And an actual relationship. It's the guidelines to a relationship with God. Right. That's what it becomes. And guidelines not in follow this and you get one, but as in like guidelines as... Uh, like safety rails. Yeah, safety rails. So when you boop, you bump into them, you scratch up your car, but you mm. don't die. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is some heavy, great stuff yeah. here in Romans. But uh, that was a quick... Yeah. The it's law good. of faith, not the law of works. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember too, we learned in the gospels the law of god jesus came to uphold it it's good it's god's will that people don't murder they don't commit adultery and they don't worship idols. that's god's yeah. will we just unable we were unable to keep it apart from a new heart cool what's our psalm for today our psalm for today is psalm 85 verses 1 through 7 Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God, of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? 
Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.